Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, David and I are going inside the episode titled Desire and Destiny, One and the Same. We talk a lot about desire on the show. We do. I was just doing a search through our archives and it yielded many, many, many results. So I'll share a few at the end of this where you can take a further dive into desire of some of David's er teachings from early on in the podcast. So a little tease there that we call that in the, uh, in the <laughs> podcast world. So let's talk a little bit about for this episode in particular, you brought in a pair of teachings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one from Thomas Troward and that was your hidden power, I believe. Do yep. I have that correct? Yep. And then you had U.S. Anderson, which was... Three magic words. Right. So just to sort of start us off baseline, can you give us a little background on those works and how they may have maybe impacted your growth around desire when you were first starting out in this crazy world? Yeah, sure. So uh, both of these authors were introduced to me by my mentor. Um, that would be uh, probably... 96, 97, I think. So they've been around. Long, yeah, long time, long time. Uh, they, these are, these are, these publications are from the early 1900s, uh, and they're really great. They're fantastic. So they're, they're, they were two. So when I started working with my mentor, I, I got a, a really great uh, introduction to a lot of literature on on the on the topics that we that we work on here at, at Life Is Now. So. It, I, have an, I have a very vast uh, library with a lot of this stuff in it. And some of them are original copies, so it, it's, it's a lot of fun. But the, uh, the stuff that I was actually surprised when I first came in touch with it, because you hear, you know, it's like it's the new thought or new wave or, or whatever. I was actually very, very surprised to learn that these teachings predate Christianity. Like, it goes way, way, way back, way back. And I have literature that goes that far back, like, for that stuff. So um, that was fascinating to me uh, on how it was kind of put in that bubble to try to make it something that was wrong in, by a, a lot of different powers that be, I guess. But it, when you start to get into this, what you start to, what you start to do as you start to read through it is there's a logic that comes to your mind that makes so much more sense than the bullshit that we've been taught. I mean, I've said this before, and it's a, it's a funny thing because I think you have to experience this yourself to completely understand what I'm saying. When I was a little kid, T, it was like I knew this. I just couldn't organize it in my head, right? It's, this is when I came across the, this literature and not just these two authors, but all the literature that I have, um, there's an organization to life, to spirituality, to energy, to all of these different, these different topics that these teachers brought in that just made complete sense where so much of what we're taught in life makes absolutely no sense. And yet we believe it and we follow it. But if you really think about it from a logical perspective, and especially if you try to relate human beings to any other life form that we know. See, this is a very interesting thing because outside of animals and plants, you know, and microbes, uh, we don't know of any other life, right? So it's very difficult to relate us 
to something else as a life form, just as a life form, right? Forget all the other agendas, like if it's spiritual or religious or whatever, just to relate us to a life form. There's not much out there other than nature as we know it. So it's it's a good guide for us because we know that it's not only is it a life form, it's a very successful life form. And if you start to think to yourself, well, if life is like, if you look at life, life is very resilient, but it also lives in a delicate balance, right? It can be snuffed out very easily. Um, when you look at it, though, you have to think to yourself, there, ha- there, there has to be some kind of intelligence behind it because it takes a certain degree of intelligence to understand it, right? Everything that, goes, that, that, that causes life to exist hop- operates by cause and effect. There's a cause and effect. If you start, if you trace cause and effect back, there has to be a first cause. And the first cause, as we know it, is there's some intelligence in the universe. People can call it whatever they want. I am not hung up on that. I have no agenda there. But there is some intelligence in the universe. And uh, it is directing that life in an intelligent way, right? It's in an intelligent way. But human beings take that intelligence and instead of instead of really helping humanity become more intelligent around that idea, most they help people become more stupid around the idea. And that's what con- that's how you control people because then they don't know what their real power is, you know. These authors take some concepts that we have been taught in life from various different areas and they break them down in, in a very intelligent way, I think, to help us understand what our purpose is, what's actually happening inside of us, what's going on in the, in the world, what's going on in the universe, so that we can start to accept who we really are as the magnificent people that we are and begin to work our way into the direction of life that we want. So th- these were th- they've meant a great deal to me, these teachings. Yeah, and what I love about them is, is you could walk by that book in a library 150 times and not even recognize it. Right. And even if you did pick it up, I read those books and I don't necessarily understand them to the level that you understand them. So what I love about when you bring in the works of a, of a Troward or bring in U.S. Anderson or Wallace Waddles and some of these greats, Napoleon Hill, they are something you have studied. So when I read books, I read them to finish them. I don't read them to study them. You take them almost line by line, like I've seen your library and you have them highlighted and ticked and line by line and you break it down. I think that's one of the most amazing gifts coming from someone who, you know, is self-proclaimed, didn't finish school and you become this amazing studier. I I love that you can break it down because to me, sometimes those books are like reading Shakespeare, which my daughter's reading right now. That shit is way over my head. But this stuff, when you break it down line by line, it really does become digestible and truth is truth no matter where you right, get it, right. which I love that you brought these in, especially for this particular Which you also so. see in Shakespeare if you start it's, to study it's it. It's true. Like studying it line by line is, is huge. Yeah, it's huge. So that it's an interesting thing that you say that because when I was a kid, nobody taught me how to study. I had to meet my mentor before I learned how to study. Um, and I was studying before I met him. I, st- I was studying for several years before I met him. My studying probably broke it down. I, I think I took concepts and broke them down in my mind. Like I would hear something because my studying at the time was reading books and it was listening to things on tape, cassette tape. Sure. And 
I would hear something over and over again, and I would rewind it and listen to it, and rewind it and listen to it, and rewind it and listen to it. And I'm like, what is this person saying? Because when I first started read this, like I think I've told you this before, the first time I picked up Think and Grow Rich, it was like reading Greek. I was like, right. what, what the hell is this? I have no idea what any of this means or how this is going to help me be successful in any way. It made no sense. So it was almost like I had to build a language, understand the language first in my mind, and then I could understand the concepts behind it. And then there's a different level of understanding when you apply it to your life and you actually see it work. So this is a process that takes time, you know, and which is most people don't want to take the time to do it, but they don't understand the benefit is probably the greatest benefit that they'd ever find in their life because they find what they're what their true power is. But yeah, I do study I do study line by line. Pair, pair, I mean, like I did not read this. Like I took two books here. Uh, the the actual this is from the Hidden Power, but the the lecture in it is Desire as a Motive Power. I only took two, basically two pages of that, and there's things in there that are highlighted. I've got notes in the margin on it. But I gave you I gave you those two pages, and then I went and flipped over to. Uh, just a couple of paragraphs, maybe a little bit more than a couple, but desire and destiny from somebody else, right? And how that fits into what we're doing. So I know these very well and w- where to find them and what to bring in. So it's, it's I mean, that the study, from the, that perspective, the study has paid off very well from a teaching perspective. Sure. Also from an understanding, but to be able to teach it, know what to resource to be able to do it. Yeah, well, and, and desire is an important topic. I mean, I think all of us, at some point in time have struggled with the desire. Like we're not sure if we're on the right track. Is this what I really want? What if I get into it and then realize that it's not what I want? So, you know, I liken it to sort of like the way you study to almost use a sports analogy, not to alienate our audience if they're not into sports, but you know, you were learning these things from your mentor and studying them, but then you would apply them on the field, whether it would be on sales calls or at live events, working on your craft. So it's really interesting to see how you put in the work and it's it's it comes to fruition once you continue to apply yeah. it and if it doesn't come right away i assume that that is maybe how it's supposed to be it's not like going to sure. be instantaneous totally um you know you've talked about 7 years it took for you to get to the point where it was starting to happen for you on a regular basis and that was the hours and hours you put in yeah there was 7 years of study there was the application within the bubble of my life as it was at the time, which was working for somebody else, raising a family. Um, and then the, 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 a huge, like the transformation to go from that to owning my own business to starting my own business that was just me, myself, and I at the time, you know, uh, that was big. That was like, that was, that was the biggest decision I'd ever sure. made in my life at that point. It was, it was hard. It was a hard decision. I was worried about if I made a mistake. I had four kids. I was married, like There's a risk. lot of responsibilities, a lot of stuff. And I didn't know a third, a quarter of what I know now. I took the basics of what I knew and I knew how to apply that. And I knew how to do a few other things. And that's how, and that's how I started. And, but and the thing is, is that I've never stopped. So that's, you know, People are like, what are your hobbies? What else do you do? I have some other things that I do here and there, but most of the time, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm thinking, right? So, you know, I have this process, like, on the, like for instance, on the weekends, if, like, if, like I knew that we had to do uh, uh, a podcast today. So part of my responsibility was to come up to content for that podcast, but I also had to come up with content for a lot of other things that we're doing. Sometimes I will close all the books and I will just go watch something. Uh, whether it's a movie 
or a series on TV or whatever. And here's the most bizarre thing. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Something speaks through the thing that I'm observing, even if it's just for recreation, that gives me like a tick of the direction that I'm going to go. And and it always, and like you're always asking me, you want you, you want to know ahead of time what I'm doing. I don't always know sure. because it doesn't sure. come in sometimes until yeah. the night before or the morning. So what I do is I feed my mind with a lot of different things and then I give it a chance for spirit to like gestate it out into some cohesive idea but it's so much better when I do that versus if I just take a bunch of material and I go try to create like, oh, here's a bullet thing of what we're going to do. You know, I'm, I become disconnected from it. It's sure. not coming from the creative center inside of myself. So that's a difficult thing for some people to have to deal with. But but what's fascinating about it was that I didn't know how to do that either. Bob taught me how to do that. As a matter of fact, he made me put everything away. He got like, he took all my tools from me at one point and he was like, we're not going to follow that. He's like, it's already in you. You have to put yourself in the situation and let it come out. And it's still, there's still a little bit, like there's a twinge of anxiety Sure. every single time I do it because there's always this little thought in your mind, what if it's not there this time? What if it's not there? I'll literally go sometimes where I'm walking on stage and I don't know what it is until I get up on stage. And it's a, it's a little bit now, it's not as much as it used to be because I could always go to back material and then work it out from there if that was to ever happen, but it never, it never not happens. Um, and the thing about it, the thing, the, the reason that I've never changed that process was because what Proctor taught me was that just because it's the right lesson or the right material doesn't mean it's right for this moment or this audience. And if you're not listening, you're going to do what you think you should do, and you're not going to hear what Spirit's telling you to do, which is the exact thing that needs to happen in this moment. And he said, if I would trust that, it would always be the correct thing, right? So I, I except for one time in my life, uh, th- we've never done a seminar or a talk or anything that wasn't a total complete hit. There was one time when I did what somebody else wanted to do and it was, and I was in, like I'm, I was in to do it, but it just, it, it totally fell flat. And I didn't, and I never did it again because I was like, I didn't follow, I didn't follow my rule, my code of, of how this has to happen. Uh, for me to to be in my zone of genius and and sure. my purpose, and that's well, that's what it is. Yeah, and it and it is a zone of genius for sure. Like I am more like linear and planned out, and it has to be planned out and all that sort of stuff. And you, you were trained or taught to put that away and just trust your inner guidance. And I, it's clear that you have a desire for pulling out the most profound pieces of work and you have an extensive library that you can pull from and you know I mean this photographic memory of you to be able to pull from this I remember he taught on this desire and this it's almost like a a walking Google of sorts to where you can just pull from things and I think we're all the benefactors of that because you get to share all your knowledge with us and you do so just by getting you know downloads it just comes through you which I which I love yeah Um, here's a quote that you shared on the episode from Trower that was uh, desire is therefore the mind seeking to manifest itself in some form which as yet exists only in thought. I throw that out there just because we know the importance of, you know, thoughts or things, but that people need to be very careful about what they speak into existence because 
you know, my daughter's a prime example of this, and I tell her this a lot, and you've told her this as well. Be very careful how you speak because you are extremely powerful. There's people out there that do the same thing. So if you're continuously, you know, speaking negative or ill about things, and then you look at your results, you're getting nothing but negativity and ill. And that's the power of the word. And Troward points that out specifically in that quote. Yeah, he does. A matter of fact, in, I think it's in this book. Let me see if, it, if I mark this in here or not. I may have. Yeah, so if you remember when we did entering into the spirit of it, he said, yes. to enter into the spirit of anything, then is to make yourself one with the thought, with the creative principle that is in the center of it. So if, you, if, you're, if something happens that ne that's negative and you start going into a negative rant, you have entered into the center of the thought of that negativity, so you've become one with it. And the idea is that, you know, a lot of what I teach is the mystery of what we're supposed to do with our life is in us. It's not out there. A matter of fact, everything out there is trying to keep us from getting to that, that mystery that's in us. And it's not a mystery. It's, it's just ignorance. We don't know that we're, it's there. We were never taught. And the, the damnedest thing about this, I remember when I first found this out, I was like this, like, I know this is true, but this can't be true. Like everything that we've been taught is that it is not okay to follow desires. If you, if you, well, from, especially from a religious perspective, they're like desire, you know, stay away from desire. It's passion. It's, you know, it's not good. You're not following God's word. If you do that, and it was taught in an extremely manipulative way. There's nothing further from the truth. Desire in and of itself is, it's the headstone, right? It's the, uh, it, it, is, it is the, well, as he talks about it, it's the fonset ego. It's the start of everything. It is, it is the thing that speaks, to, it's the quiet voice within that speaks. It's that, it's that thing inside of us that's saying, go this way, go do this, go be, do, or have this. That's what it's, that's what it's telling you. Where the teachings get out of skew with it is that, and I talked about this in the lesson, when we mistake it for wish, when we mistake it for hope, when we mistake it for envy, when we mistake it for fear, there's a lot of things we can mistake it from because we have not trained ourselves to listen to the voice. And you made a mention at the beginning of this podcast was like, what if we make a mistake? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to. You're not going to learn to listen to that voice without making a mistake. It's true. I remember I was on a call one time uh, as a student, I was with a bunch of other students, and I think I think Proctor was doing a mentorship club at the time. This is back in in the '90s again, and we would get a book a month. We would study it with him, right? I loved, I absolutely loved that program. It didn't last, but but I loved it. And uh, I remember somebody said, "How do you know the difference between fear and the voice within that's telling you which way to go?" And I was I was like oh, this is, I need to know this answer. I need to know this answer. And I didn't like his answer at first because his answer was experience. Mm. And I was like, fuck. Right. I mean, what kind of answer is that, right? You know, so in other words, I, have, I, I cannot get this without the risk. You know, I have to put myself out there and have the experience to, to know if I made a wrong decision. And then I have to have the introspect to be like, well, what was I really listening to? Because if I was listening to the wrong thing, why was I so compelled to listen to that voice? Sure. What is that voice? And and if you break it down, if you break it down just some in in the simple basics, that voice is to keep you safe. That's mm -hmm. all it is. But there's that voice is so loud, it's so nuts inside of us that it shadows everything out. And even when we think we're doing the right thing, very often we're not because that voice is controlling how we think. 
You know, sure. that was another principle that I learned that I still, it, even to this day, it just, it just, it, if you're not careful with it, it just boggles the mind to, to really comprehend that what you may be thinking may not be accurate because your subconscious mind is controlling that thinking. And it can, and you literally could think you're doing the right thing, you're in the right place, you have the right motive, and you could be totally off because some paradigm came together and caused you to think the way that you're thinking. So when we say that people are very conscious of right and wrong, there could be nothing could be further from the truth. Right. They're, they're not. They're hypnotized by whatever that pattern is that's in their mind. That's why people make so many mistakes because they're following the wrong thing. Well, and a lot of times you're you're making so many mistakes because you're trying so hard not to make them. <laughs> you know? Yes, I mean, you are. Right. It's so very true. And I love that you bring this in because it kind of leads into my next question around the outward validation or the voices that are telling us, oh, you shouldn't follow that desire. It reminded me of um, over the weekend, I had a, the pleasure of taking in um, the Netflix series uh, Coach's Playbook. And in the first episode, they spoke with Doc Rivers, who at the time was the coach of the Los Angeles Clippers, who's now recently been hired by the Philadelphia 76ers. And he talked about how when he was a young kid, um, he wrote on the board what he wanted to be. The teacher called him up, everybody write down what you want to be. And he wrote down, he wanted to be a professional basketball player. She made him erase it and told him to try it again. He wrote it up there again. She kicked him out of class and sent him home for the day. His dad read him the riot act at home saying, you need to follow, you know, the rules and you need to not pull this stuff. But as he walked him back to class at the door, he said, but I get where you're coming from. Don't ever give up on that dream. Teacher invited him back up with his dad in the room. He wrote down, I want to be a professional basketball player. And his dad just kind of put his head down and shook his head, but he didn't make him take it down. Lo and behold, he became a professional basketball player, which eventually led to him becoming a professional coach. I say all of that because he knew early on that he had a desire that he wanted to fulfill, but yet there were all these people on the outside that were telling him not to do it. And it made me worried that I may have been the same way because I was a teacher for 10 years of my life. But I also know that there's people who are going to try to hold you down. Yeah. And that desire is something that when you feel, you're going to know when you feel it. But there's a lot of people out there right now that didn't follow their desire. They went with safety and security right, again. Right, right. So, you know, I, I talk about that with the judgment because when you're, when you're following, you spoke about in the episode about avoiding judgment when you're following a desire. It's not just self-judgment, but it's outside judgment as well. So could you provide a few strategies that not only a person, um, that helps a person become aware that they may be judging themselves or that they may be following the judgment of others and what they can do if they're judging their own path that they're on right now? Well, you know, the, another thing is, I want to think about that. That's a fascinating story. I never heard that story before. Um, what did you say the coach's name was? Uh, Doc, Doc Rivers. Rivers. Doc yeah, Rivers. Doc Rivers. Definitely. It's episode one of Coach's Playbook. It's about 30 minutes long. Yeah. It, it is full and bereft of just genius. So you think, think about this. The teacher was bullying him into thinking the way the teacher wanted to think. Which is a powerful, powerful tool that teachers have. Extraordinary. Yes, it is. Extraordinary. Well, it's it's similar to your daughter's story about she wanted to become a professional musician. Right. And you said they didn't they didn't like that answer. No, they they, they it scares them. Right. So I mean, I had to give her permission to go back to the school and say that that's what she wanted right. and not fulfill what the teacher told her to do because they basically laughed in her face. And, and what said, is she doing now? Be, she's a professional musician. <laughs> yes, she is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but to, you know, to answer your question, that, that's why I wanted to talk about the bullying for a second because I think a person has to think about, you know, 
there's been many, sometimes it was very direct like that where somebody forced you to give up your dream and you relented in the moment because it was either out of fear or you got the read the riot act from one of your parents. And then there was a threat of not loving or acceptance or disappointing your parents, which is a, which is a horrible feeling for a child. Um, but the idea I think is, you know, a person has to, a person has to get to the place where they're where they're ruthlessly honest with themselves about their own happiness. Are you really happy doing what you're doing? Are you really happy with the choices that you're making? And the the problem with that, T, is that so many people have convinced themselves that they're happy and they couldn't be more miserable in their life. They're just absolutely miserable because they've worked themselves into a situation that involves so many other people and so many different responsibilities, they don't feel that they can say no or they don't feel that they can do something different because they're going to let people down or they might make a mistake or they might not be able to fulfill their responsibilities. So it's all of this pressure on them to follow whatever the same track was. So I think that a person, like the only way a person can really tell is if they're honest with themselves. You I think it starts off as something where you probably don't share it with anybody else, but you have to accept the fact that you're not, you know, um, because until you accept the fact that you're not, and like, and like they talked about here, or like uh, uh, Anderson talked about, he said, until, basically, until you accept the fact that you're not, you're not going to find what you are supposed to be doing, right? You, you, you're just, because you're so focused in maintaining that false mask of who it is that you're trying to be in order to stay safe in the moment. Yeah, and what I hear in that, since this is sort of my work that I've been going through over the years I've been with you, is you give a lot of power to those on the outside who, what will other people think? Like, even when I was leaving the teaching profession, I thought to myself, I was committed to leaving and I wanted to go into another field and go into another area because I had just recently yeah. been exposed to what you were teaching. And I there was a moment of hesitation where I thought, well, what will my parents think? What will my friends think? What will the other teachers think? And even the principal at the time, and I loved her very much, said, we'll hold your spot for a year because you'll probably be back. Like it's those kinds of things yeah, where yeah. you start to second guess, but it's all of this outside power. What will other people think? And I think that that comes up huge for people. And it's never too late to pivot. Like we said before, you've had octogenarians in your audience who are making a pivot out right. of what they wanted to do and now they're doing what they really were meant to do. Right. It's never too late. It's just that safety security gets in the way. Um, let's shift to U.S. Anderson real quick. Um, you shared that in the episode, your results will tell you if something is in control of your thoughts, feelings, and actions, and you're very results-oriented, and if people out there listening are not getting the results that they're looking for, there's a reason for that. So if we're speaking to that person right now that's not getting the results, they believe that they desire, whether it's entitlement or whether it's, you know, they think they deserve better, what should they do first to get on that track towards what they want? Answer the question, what do you want? And be brutally honest. And be really with honest. And, and it can start with the smallest thing, right? So usually it's the opposite of something that is creating great misery in their life, but they have to be honest about the misery. For me, it was I wanted to double my income. I had, I had like the, the biggest, there were a lot of problems in my life during this time, but the one that was, that's, or at least seemed to me to be the biggest, was that I was not earning enough money to get us to move out of where we were to get our life back on track. And I thought if I could go from 20,000 to 40, that would solve the problem. So that became my main focus. How do I, how do I double my income? You know, if, if I could get 
it, myself in that kind of a situation, I might be able to go back to school. I might be able to, you know, I had more options if I had more money because we were literally on food stamps at this point. I mean, it was, it was not a good situation at all. So uh, that's the first time that I ever locked in 100% focus into this is the exact thing that I want right now. And of course, that's what led me, what, what's interesting about it was that it first led me into this breakdown. Uh, it didn't like all of a sudden manifest in my life because in order for that to, in order for that to be fulfilled in my life, I had to get rid of how I was thinking and making decisions outside of that that caused the problem that I had, which I didn't know. I did not know how much my attitude was playing a role in that. So that's what led to, you know, my having that emotional breakdown in the back of that trailer that night and crying and hearing that other voice and making a different decision. But it started with little bits, right? It was just three little things in my attitude. Change those, you know. It wasn't like, you know, oh, step into this greatness. And it's just Boom, like, it you need to change these little things first. And then you have to grow into those things. You have to adapt to those things. You see more, you grow more, you see more, you change. You know, it's a constant process that you go through. But you, here's the thing. You, everybody wants to start where they're not. Take me down the road 10 miles and let me start, you know, halfway there. Right. No, you got to start in the mire of shit that you've created for yourself right now. And then you have to be aware of what that is. And then, then you grow, you grow out of it. So yeah. and I think that's you said the hard it, fact about it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard for people to hear. <laughs> like Very they, they want to go, they want to go forward to where every desire they have is fulfilled. Like you said in the episode, the desire comes first, the fulfillment of that desire comes second. You're going to have to make some decisions early on that are not, that are going to be quite uncomfortable. You're probably going to have to sacrifice yeah. quite a bit. And you want to know that the result that you're going to do by saying yes is going to get you there. But just saying yes is not enough. I think that's where, you know, the secret and the law of attraction really got it wrong, like you said, because you can't just, you know, wish upon a star and it's going to show up. You've got to put that commitment and action behind it and not stop. And it's going to be a gradual increase. Very few people get that quantum leap, even, you know, the uh, overnight success in the music industry or in Hollywood, it is not an overnight success. It is a slog of community theater that led to this two-bit commercial for hemorrhoids or whatever it might right. be. Yeah, and now true. you become an Oscar winner. So there's, there's steps that need to be taken. And I think that I love that the desire comes first and the fulfillment of that comes second and stay true to that desire. Every step of the way tests you for your commitment to yourself, right? Like if you can't pass this test, you don't get any other ones until you pass this one. And you could stay there in fourth grade for the rest of your freaking life. But if you don't pass it, you're not going to the next level. Yeah. And that's just the way the universe works. Yeah, well, at the beginning of the episode, I had a few callbacks that I wanted to bring up for people who want to continue this journey of learning about desire and and destiny. And I've got three episodes that I want to refer back to that that you did early on in the show. Uh, the first one would be episode 129, which you titled, What's the Difference Between a True Desire and a Want, Lust, or Fear-Based Need? That's episode 129. Uh, and then you did a two-parter, How to Create a Belief to manifi- Manifest excuse me, Whatever You Desire in Your Life. And that's episode 140 and 141. So those are three really quality episodes. We'll link into the show notes on this show to go back and listen and talk about desire and how it leads to um, you becoming exactly what you want. So as we go off into the the distance here, is there anything you'd like to close out this episode with since it was outstanding? I think I think a person should like if, if this is intriguing to them, they should start studying it. You know, get these books get other books, really start studying. And the more you understand, because I, I know a lot of people come from the place like, well, is it really safe to do this? How do I know it's true? How do I know it's real? 
Like, don't take my word for it. Get the books and do the study, do the work. When I first heard it, I didn't know. I thought it was, but I started delving into the literature. And, you know, you'll be convinced once you start stepping into it and start applying it. Here's the thing about this. This is, like, I've heard all the different arguments around this, but here, here is the main test for me. Is there something negative that comes out of this? And the answer is no. I've never seen it. There's nothing negative. It's just a constant movement forward, right? And it brings clarity to the mind, which I think is what we need right now because right now the world is bullying everybody to try to get them into their own agenda, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, shine your light on the truth, and that desire will win out. You got it. All right, thanks for coming inside, Dave. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.